Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Caitlin. What's up? <laughs> oh, not much. We just had <laughs> We had a really good interview with someone um, and excitingly for us, we get to share it with you after we have our intro. So yes. we're still on the high from having such a great chat with our lovely guest. Yes, which probably will translate quite well because it will be immediately after this intro. Yeah. So it's, we don't often do that. No, usually it's like weeks or months in advance yeah. because we only release we have fortnightly to, now. So We have to plan ahead, guys, but yeah. this somehow worked out that we have a gap. So yeah. <laughs> so you get to enjoy it straight away. Yeah. Um, what have you been reading, watching, doing? <laughs> I, um, I started watching The Office. The US version. Yeah, the US version. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually watched the UK version. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's so outdated now anyway. I know. It's like early 2000s. I know. Well, the first season of the US one is like 05, 06. So it's still mm. outdated. And oh my God, the references to Trump are so funny. <laughs> I love watching things like this now where they have these either things set in the past and they have these funny references to Trump or things that were just made 10 years ago. And, like, the Steve Carell character, because he's the boss of The Office or whatever, he literally has a reference in one of the early episodes about how he thinks he's not like Donald Trump because he doesn't like firing people because he was on The <laughs> Apprentice. So it's like... You're fired. Oh, it's very I funny. always forget that very he funny. did that. I don't know. I know. It's just... Ugh. Anyway. It's just so funny because he was started talking and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I had to, like, remind myself... That this joke is not about President Trump. It's about host of The Office Trump. And Mm -hmm. I was like, ugh. Anyway. Ugh, I hate our world sometimes. Ugh. But the show is very, very funny. Again, I keep having to remind myself that it was made in 2005. Mm. And so there are a few things that, like, while they're trying to address things, I'm like, wow, this would be handled differently now, even in, you know, a sitcom. But... But it is, it is very funny and it's just so dry. And honestly, I get why everyone loves it because if you've ever worked in an office environment, <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. But, the show that I love for that is called Utopia and it's set oh yes, Utopia in a is, government yeah. department and you're just like, yes, this is like bureaucratic office life where it's just wasting time and taxpayers dollars yeah i know and everything's like gotta be like you've got to have a plan for the plan for the plan to be in place and it's just bureaucracy at the next level i haven't watched utopia like religiously but i've seen bits and pieces and it is so good and i would hate to work parks and recreation that that i watched last year is also like it's set in a a government department in the US, but similar sort of thing where it's mm. like nothing ever gets done God. or they're wasting their time on silly things. And it's like the parks department. So they're like hosting events in the park. And so it's <laughs> so funny. And that's the other thing is that the office, it's like a paper company, which I never realized what they were actually doing yeah. in the office, but yeah. it's like they're selling paper. And yeah. I'm like, this is so stupid. It's so weird. But I would so hate good. to see it's so it's so odd because like obviously I have had an office job for five mm. years but a newsroom is a newsroom not an office be, no, like it's, it would be totally different. Oh my god, we are so rude to each other. Mm-hmm. We swear all the time. Like there's noise all the time. 
things get done because you have a daily deadline yeah. to do them. And if you don't have a deadline, nothing gets done. Like The amount of times I've so thought different. that my office would make a fantastic reality show. Oh my gosh. Our boss used to come out and be like, like join our lunch conversations and be like, you guys should have a reality show. <laughs> yeah. Like, where are the cameras? Let's oh my go. goodness. Yeah. But I... It's just very funny. And, oh, John Krasinski <laughs> as Jim. <laughs> can see why he has such a big fan base. Yes. Yeah. I just, I love his character. And it's, it's sort of reminding me at the moment of, not of Chris Pratt's character, but, like, knowing now, what are we, almost 15 years down the track, that, like, you know, like, the glow up, almost, of, <laughs> like... <laughs> But he's so funny. I never appreciated how funny John Krasinski was. I don't think I've seen him in all that much. I've seen him in a couple of rom-coms, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But God, he's funny. (laughs) He's really funny. Well, my TV recommendation is the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Um, Really dark and moody. It's something I recorded. basically describes our friendship. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, It's something I recorded on BBC One, like six months ago because I read the description and I was like oh that sounds sort of interesting it's called Broken Mm -hmm. and it's about a Catholic priest and like his parish um which I was like oh it sounds kind of interesting Uh, I'll whack the recorder on whatever but I've kind of been like oh do I really want to watch this I don't think it's going to be any good anyway I started watching it and um it has the lead I can't remember her name from Marcella in it so in the first episode so that kind of hooked me in because it it turns out it's really more about the life of the people in the parish than, and not in like, like when I say parish, drama. it makes it sound like a village, but it's not. It's like set in a city somewhere. It's quite low socioeconomic area and it's just really different from what I expected. Um, so and it's not like a small town community no. thing. It's just like the people who happen yeah. to go to that church. Yeah. And yeah. it's like people who are doing it tough, like the first episode, um, I'm going to call her Marcella because I can't remember what her name is. She's like super, super, super poor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on the breadline. She's got three kids. She gets fired from her job for being late because she was taking her daughter through the first communion thing and she Aww. starts a fight with her boss. And then, you know, he, the priest Michael tries to help. He's like, oh, the priest is Sean Bean. Oh, really famous he's from yeah. lord of the rings he's like super famous actor oh, like yeah, if you I'm saw sure. him you would be like i'm yes. sure i know who it is but yeah. yeah he's incredibly famous um and i've never seen him in a role like this before but he's really like he's not a holier than thou priest he is in fact he does some stuff that's probably quite questionable mm-hmm. um and so by the end he sort of is losing his faith a little bit in himself yeah um and there's this really like it ended on it's a really lovely kind of thing it's unfortunately it's his mother's funeral and he's doing it but then all the people who he's helped throughout it's only six episodes because mm-hmm. it's british so it's a nice arc all the people he's helped like come and take communion and he gives them the wafer and they're like um amen you wonderful priest and then like the little girl says that and then they all start saying that each time and you can see him like feeling a bit so it's all the people who he's helped but there's this it kind of goes through the way they interact so there's like um a shooting of a mentally ill teenager um who's black by a white police officer and so it goes through all that and there's sort of a cover-up amongst the police force and, you know, one of the cops comes to him and is in confession, is like, they're going to lie, I don't know what to do. Like, he helps a lot of people um, and by the end it all sort of weaves together, which is wow. our favourite so- sort of thing, how yes. it all comes together. 
Um, All the connections. Yeah, so, and he's, you know, was abused as a boy and um, yet still became a priest. And it's just really, it was very much different from what I expected. Very interesting. Um, but, yeah, quite quite dark but with moments of, like, hope and light and stuff. But, yeah, it was amazing though. Wow. Yeah. So it was just a random, I've never heard anyone else talk about it. Just saw it and was like, oh, I'll just put, put, pop the recorder on. Like, yeah totally random it's nice when you get like a random find yeah like that. yeah yeah i know because like one show that i finished watching now that i was watching with monica it was i think i talked about it before it was on amazon prime it was called was red it? oaks oh okay but i'd never heard of it before but mm. it was like it's like three seasons about 10 episodes each or something and it's like each summer at this country club Aww. and it was just like it, i guess i would call it a sitcom yeah mm, bit of comedy bit of drama but like yeah yeah, it's like set in like the mid eighties, and like it was, it was really, it was really good. I really liked it. I think you would like it too. But yeah, yeah. It's sort of one of those ones that was just like a bit out there because often, oftentimes, you know, you come across those shows that you're like, oh, I heard heaps about this mm. three years ago, but we don't get it because we're in Australia. Yeah, like, like Luther. I really, I know I need to watch Luther because everyone in the UK is raving about mm. that, and I trust them. Same with Marcella. Actually, mm. I heard people talking about that long before. I saw it on Netflix and was like, oh, I heard good things. I'll watch that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it happens all the time that I'll be like, oh, I'm sure I've heard about this. Yeah. Everyone was talking about this on Twitter three years ago. Yeah. And like all my family will be like, what? And I'm like, it's because you're not active on the internet. Oh my God. (laughs) Actually, yesterday I had a really funny thing with my family. I was just hanging out at my parents' house and I was talking to my younger brother about Endgame, Avengers Endgame. We're getting very excited. But they released new posters for every single character and all the ones who are currently dead are facing the one way and all the ones who are currently alive are, like, facing the other way, except for, like, three people. And I'm like, what does this mean? Which way are they facing? Well, they're facing the same way as the people who are currently dead. I'm like, what does this mean? Is everyone facing right going to come back? Like, I, what are they trying to tell us? How did no one notice this, that they were all facing the... Like, that there was, like, three people who should be facing the other way, if that's all it is. So I'm like, what does this mean? And I was talking to Harry about this. And Monica and my dad are like, this is what you get for spending too much time on the internet, Caitlin. They're like, it probably means nothing. (laughs) And then they were like, remember a couple weeks ago when you were saying all this stuff also about Taylor Swift releasing new music? They're like, you are inventing this all in your head. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, it's my fault. This is what the internet has turned me into. Everything's a conspiracy theory on the internet. Everything's a conspiracy theory. But, like, it's the only way they produce hype Mm -hmm. for all this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So they know what they're doing. Marvel and Taylor Swift know what they're doing. I just want to figure it out. (laughs) Um, I also finished two really good books in the last week. So one was a poetry collection called Hold Your Own. Um, you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just quick cough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it was by Kate Tempest, um, mm-hmm. who also wrote The Bricks That Built the Houses, which I really loved. Um, and I finally got around to it, like, a couple of years after Lucy Powery told us to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting reflection on gender. And even though I said it was a poetry collection, and believe me, I was like, oh, poetry collection. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's really 
easy to understand and it's not like daunting at all and it's really beautiful and <laughs> not like too highbrow for us oh not like that time I tried to read Shakespeare for uni and you know quit uni instead <laughs> I didn't quit I just like I deferred for the semester anyway for for multiple reasons you know like moving overseas but also because I was like holy shit this Shakespeare thing needs more time than I've got at the moment um but yes it's really really good it is about it's based on the myth of Tiresias um it's a Greek myth where a boy gets turned into a woman spends seven years as a woman and then is turned back into a man and then during a fight with Zeus and Hera gets his eyes taken out but then Zeus gives him like the second sight to be a prophet so it's split up into like it explains it all at the start of the book you don't even have to know what it is I do you think I knew before I started reading the book no (laughs) the first poem the first really long poem explains the whole thing and you're like this is so fascinating so yeah it's really really wonderful a bit of Greek mythology yeah so Mm. it's a kind of a retelling of that um and the other one was the lost and the found by Cat Clark which was really really cool like YA thriller which I just raced through in a couple of days Mm. because I love her books for that so this girl's sister was abducted when she was a little kid 13 years later she's coming home what happens next it's really cool I love a story like that it's like where have they been I thought you were dead you're still alive (laughs) it was so cool it was so cool I loved it did you read anything are you reading anything oh no I have been I've got like seven books or something freaking currently reading I (laughs) was still making my way through underdog and reading the impossible quest series in preparation for capricorn mm-hmm. but i did start star crossed oh Mini yeah Dark. i started that too but yes. i thought you'd like want to talk about it yeah so we've both started reading it as has um your friend maddie and we're yes. gonna like buddy read it which i'm so excited for yes because it just was by coincidence she came back from brisbane and she's like oh, i bought all these new books and i was like oh which ones did you buy? Like, I need to know this stuff. And she mentioned Starcross and I was like, oh my God, we're going to get copies of that for the podcast. Yeah. P.S. Thank you, Penguin Random House, yes, for sending us copies so of Starcross. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh my God, we should read it together. So it was just a total coincidence because obviously Caitlin and I had already planned to read it. Yeah. So we're doing a bit of a buddy read and we yeah. all started it and it's so cute. It I is can't wait very to keep sweet. reading it. I'm really enjoying it. But this is also just reminded me so for anyone who doesn't know I'm just going to quickly read a bit off the back so it says basically Justine is an aspiring journalist and she runs into an old flame an old teenage crush of hers Nick childhood friend yes and Nick has this unwavering belief in the guy who writes the The horoscopes horoscopes for the paper that Justine works at and so it has this whole focus on like astrology and yeah. horoscopes and destiny and everything. And so she decides to tinker with destiny just a little bit. <laughs> so it's quite cute. Yeah. Very funny. But it just reminded me because I, I am not, I'm not an expert. I'm, this may be wrong, but I think Mercury retrograde like just finished. <gasps> I or heard something. about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I saw that the other day and then I was like, oh my God, because last weekend I got a flat tire. Yeah, you had a pretty shitty weekend. I've had so many little things like that happen. Where So last weekend I got a flat tire. I drove from my work car park to the local theatre because I was in. It, it was the last weekend of Kinky Boots, which I think I talked about in our last week's intro. So I drove like across the road 
And then I was like, oh my God, I have a flat tire. And then my dad, such a gem, came and fixed it like during the show because I couldn't do it. Um, and then I had to go take it to get fixed. And then on Wednesday, I think on Wednesday, I walked across to the shopping center to get lunch for work and it wasn't raining. But then when I left, it was raining <laughs> and I got completely soaked and I had to try and dry my t-shirt in the bathroom. <laughs> and it's like, this is... When does that happen? When Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. I think um, horoscopes are fun. I think so. they're fun. I don't believe in them. I but... don't believe in them that much. But I was like, I have someone to blame these random <laughs> exactly. bad events on. <laughs> and with that, um, I, f- I foresee that you will really enjoy this interview. I think that's written yes, in your stars. That's our prediction. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy. is a man of many, many talents. He has spent a decade working as an actor, singer and dancer on Australian and New Zealand tours of musicals including Mary Poppins, Guys and Dolls and Cats. Then in a total career 180, he moved into the world of publishing where he's recently celebrated his first commercial undertaking as an editor by releasing the amazing Underdog short story collection. Welcome to Better Words, Tobias Madden. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you and to chat all about Underdog. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess Underdog is the best place to start then. So how did you make this happen? Yep, give us the whole story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could talk about this for about six hours, but I'll try and give you a reasonably brief rundown. Um, It kind of all came about uh, in 2017. I was working on Um, my very first manuscript, a YA kind of fantasy manuscript. Um, And I'd set this goal to write a book before I was 30. And so I I kind of was um, pretty deep into all of that. And so I started going to all of these events in Melbourne, like every sort of panel and conference and book launch and all of that sort of stuff that I could find just to really um, immerse myself in that world of YA fiction. And at every event that I went to, Um, whoever was moderating the panel would always ask the audience um, if there were any writers in the in the audience today and pretty much every time everyone's hand went up like without a doubt and some people were a bit shy about it but a lot of people they just shot straight up into the air Um, and I just look around and think god we're all writers like there are so many people here that you know are wanting to get published and have this goal Um, and so I started thinking in my head about all these people that had um, stories that would probably never get told because you know publishing is super competitive and and it's pretty hard to break into so I um, started thinking about what I might be able to do to sort of help other writers like me who who were dreaming of getting published Um, and then I was inspired obviously by um, the first Love Was Way anthology Begin and Begin edited by um, Danielle Binks and sort of looking at that and how that was structured, I thought, well, maybe I can make one of them, but um, just for unpublished writers, um, which, you know, looking back on it, it seems like a kind of stupid idea because <laughs> trying to publish a book with, you know, full of stories that no one's um, ever heard of the authors or anything like that seems like kind of a long shot. Um, but I'm, I'm so, so thrilled that I did sort of follow through with that idea in the end. 
Um, the, the process itself was a huge, huge learning curve for me. I'm not a professional editor. I've never worked in publishing. I don't have a degree in publishing or anything like that. Um, but I thought I'd be able to <laughs> figure it all out, which <laughs> luckily. You were um, underdog too. I love that. Yes, I mean, exactly. That's I mean, yeah, kind of the whole you did, thing. But I love the optimism. There. You're like, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think, you know, after working as, as an actor for so long, you kind of just have to set your mind to something and say, all right, I'm just going to do that. And all of the odds are against me, but let's do it anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, then I just kind of tried to learn everything I could and I recruited um, a wonderful um, team of collaborators um, through Instagram, um, three um, wonderful bookstagrammers um, who I just direct messaged completely out of the blue. So I'm lucky they replied at all, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so they were so helpful in, in sort of getting word out and setting up that initial platform. You know, I made a website and um, sort of tried to start spreading the word and, Eventually, when we opened submissions, um, I was terrified that no one would submit any stories and we'd end up with like 10 stories that I kind of was forced to publish just by default. Um, <laughs> but in the end, I think we ended up with about 107 submissions, which I was blown away by, um, you know, because it, there's no name behind this. There's no big publishing house or, you know, famous editor or famous writer or anything behind it at this point. So I was kind of really overwhelmed by the fact that um, there were that many people who were willing to put their faith in, in my project. Um, and the stories we ended up with were brilliant. You know, we, um, the, myself and the three other girls, we read um, sort of a quarter of the stories each and each picked our favourites um, and ranked them all. And then I sort of went through that list and, and um, put together the final the final 12 stories, um, trying to balance themes and that sort of stuff as well. Um, and yeah, we ended up with this, this wonderful collection of stories that I'm just beyond proud of. Um, the writers are all so talented and, you know, we went through a pretty full on editing process like any author would just to make sure everything was kind of really flawless. Um, and I, I think it is, I'm sure there'll be some typos in there somewhere, but, um, I think, yeah, we've, we've got this great product. And then um, we were super lucky that we ended up um, landing this distribution deal with um, another wonderful Australian publisher, Black Ink Books, um, who sort of really took me under their wing and were so helpful and, and so patient with my billion questions that I had at every sort of step <laughs> of the way. Because um, often I also, you know, wasn't 100% sure what they were talking about. So I had to do some creative Googling of acronyms and stuff like that to make sure I was answering questions properly. Um, yes. But, yeah, they they were really helpful. And, and without them, you know, we wouldn't have ended up with the book on, you know, on shelves all around the country and in, in libraries and schools and stuff. It would have ended up being a, a bit of a smaller scale um, production. But, yeah, we were super, super lucky um, that they were happy to partner with us and, and support emerging authors. And, yeah, then that's kind of the brief version, I think. <laughs> so then from you know from your idea and co contacting you know your, your little team that you end up ended up creating submissions reading all the stories to the book being you know on bookshelves how long was that whole process um so I I'm pretty sure I made the website in about um 
September or October 2017 um, and contacted um, the girls on Instagram and then, um, yeah, published on the, the 5th of March. So just under a year and a half, I guess. Wow. That's pretty quick, really, isn't yeah. it? For a big yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it, it seems like it's been a million years because I've been working on mm. it kind of nonstop. Um, you know, like, I have other jobs as well, so I'm kind of working during the day and then I would come home and work, you know, three or four hours on Underdog every day. Um, so it feels like a lot longer for me. But, yeah, in the scheme of things, from from literally nothing to then books on the shelves, you know, in, in under a year and a half is pretty cool. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Like publishing usually works so much slower. Yeah. It's incredible, especially for yourself having no experience in that world. <laughs> like I know Begin and Begin came out, seemed to come out quite quickly, but, you know, Danielle has worked in that space for ages and, yeah, yeah that's amazing. Of course, yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> so then how do you feel about, you know, the response um, from the rest of the world so far? Um, it's been really, really lovely. Um, it's so, like, you know, with any creative thing, you never know how people are, are going to respond. Um, but kind of the, every step of the way, I was blown away by everyone's support, you know, whether that was um, the writers or, you know, the, these other publishers we're working with or just the community sort of getting excited about it in the lead up to it. I was really blown away, um, you know, because none of us have ever published books before. We don't have any reputation. You know, we're just a bunch of randoms, really. So um, <laughs> it was really cool um, how excited the Love Oz YA, oh my God, so good, the Love Oz YA community, um, how excited they got for it. Um, and then since the release, you know, we've had, yeah, a really lovely response. People um, are really thrilled with how um, diverse the anthology is and the stories are. Um, and really sort of getting behind these new authors and, and already sort of saying, you know, I can't wait to read, you know, your, your debut novel when that comes out, all that sort of stuff. Um, and we've also had um, a really cool response from schools already. Um, we've heard of a few schools who are studying a couple of the stories in class already, which is like completely mind-blowing. Um, oh, and my God, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, one of, the, um, one of our authors, Sophie, um, her, her young daughter came home one day from school and she said that one of her friends um, is studying underdog. And Sophie was like, oh, no, 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 I think, I think you must mean something else. And she was like, no, no, no. She was like, it's, it's a book and it's got green leaves. And they, they said the story is called Breathe Me In, which is Sophie's story. Um, and it turns out, you know, she asked the, you know, this girl's mom and they're like, yeah, yeah, they're studying it in in class, and I think they're only in grade four, which is um, much younger than our target audience, but Sophie's story is <laughs> totally um, appropriate for that age as well. And, yeah, so we're hearing these little stories start to trickle in. And um, I also had, a, I think, a 15-year-old um, guy email me the other day saying, you know, he'd just started Underdog and he sort of read it all through the night and just finished and really wanted to just email and say, you know, how much he enjoyed it. And, and those sort of things are really sweet you know, to hear That's from, lovely. yeah, to mm. hear from teenagers, which is who we write the book for, you know, um, mm. is really, really special. It's so diverse in terms of, you know, the general diverse, like what we mean when we talk about diversity in terms of ethnicity and sexuality and stuff like that. But the other thing I loved about it is how diverse it was in terms of genre 
of story. Mm-hmm. So there's so yeah. many different. It's not all contemporary. It's not, and then it's not all one style of contemporary either. Like all yeah. the contemporary stories feel very, very different. different. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. yeah. And I, again, I think we were we were just so lucky with um, some of those submissions that we received, and like when we were sort of um, selecting the stories, uh, our our sort of primary focus was the the quality of the writing and the and the stories themselves. Obviously, you know, um, the main sort of goal for the anthology was to promote emerging writers and and you know give them a chance to tell their stories. Um, but then, you know, I think really really fortunately for us, the stories that we connected with the most also happened to be incredibly diverse in both senses. Um, and I remember sitting down and sort of trying to work out the order that the stories would go in and just looking at them, you know, all together like that and going, geez, we've got like, you know, such a range here. Like it was really, really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And it is so compelling as well. Like mm-hmm. I just raced through a lot of the stories. I just <laughs> didn't want to stop. It was just yeah. really wonderful. Oh, you know, awesome. I think that also speaks to how different the stories all are is because sometimes with a short story collection or you know something like that I I have felt in the past that I need to read one and then like have a break and then read the next one Mm. so I don't get them all mixed up yeah totally yeah I know what you mean there is because they're so different which is so wonderful I haven't really had that feeling with underdog yeah awesome yeah it's um like I've I can't tell you how many times I've read the stories um (laughs) and and like I still enjoy them like some of them still make me cry every time I read them and um yeah that I I don't know like I love them personally which is really cool for me to you know as the editor to, to be able to enjoy them so much and connect with them so that whole process for me was was really fun you know fine-tuning all of the stories with each each of the writers um was really really exciting um yeah <laughs> wonderful um so it'll be great to talk about your story specifically. And for people who haven't read Underdog yet, it's very strong Billy Elliot vibes. Um, <laughs> so what was the inspiration there and why did you want to tell that story? Um, I, like this story is sort of half my personal experience um, and half, you know, a vast exaggeration of that. <laughs> um, so like I was never you know, going to be in the Australian Ballet School or anything like that. But I did dance a lot growing up, obviously, um, and I mm-hmm. very much grew up in that world. Um, but, yeah, I really wanted to to tell a story, um, you know, of, of what it's like to grow up as, as a male dancer, especially in a country town in, in Australia, because um, it's not always that easy. And I think, you know, boys who grow up dancing have to develop a pretty thick skin pretty quickly, um, if they want to continue with that, you know, for the rest of their lives, because it's, yeah. you know, when you could be doing something that's so much more typically, you know, a, a boy's activity, uh, especially in the country. Um, yeah, I feel like you can you can cop a lot of flack at school um, for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I just wanted to delve into that and and exaggerate my own experience of that so that it was, you know, um, much more relatable and, and dramatic for everyone. Yes, we all love a bit of drama, but, (laughs) you know, you are, you are so right there. And I think, again, not really like 
your story made me think of anyone in particular that I know, but that experience, I mean, like, you know, we said to you before that Michelle and I have both been involved with a couple of musicals here and there. And like, you know, I, all my friends growing up, I was never a super good dancer or anything, but all my friends (laughs) in high school were dancing and they were at the Estedfords and the dance festivals. And, you know, the guys were almost always everyone's favourite, but they still were (laughs) at school and everything. So I think that story growing up into it is you know it's not one I've seen before so I really enjoyed your story yeah thank you and I think as well it's it's interesting because you know boys that do dance they are always like a total celebrity at the dance school and at the dance events like in in those settings they're really looked up to and everyone thinks they're amazing and and you know yeah, and like all the little boys always love like all the yeah boys exactly totally for everything the boys always get cast because there's not enough boys you know exactly <laughs> yeah so in those settings like they're you know they're really at the top but then when you flip it on its head and just in that normal sort of school setting or when you have to suddenly you know go and play school sport like it's it's a very different situation for those guys so I think that that sort of contrast between the kind of two lives that they lead is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then the other contrast, I suppose, we could ask you about is how you felt writing for the anthology and also editing the whole thing. Like, what were your experiences there, both editing everyone else's stories and, I suppose, your own, but also being one of the contributing authors? Um, Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, it kind of felt like... um, because the the actual editing and sort of compiling part of the whole process and, and the publishing part was, you know, the, the majority of my work, the story mm-hmm. kind of just like slipped in through the cracks almost. <laughs> like I, I wrote it and I worked really hard on it, but like I, I wrote it and then after that it kind of was just there underneath everything else. Um, I was really lucky uh, that I had um, an assistant editor um, who is also one of the contributors, Sarah Taviani, who's like the most brilliant editor I've ever worked with. I haven't worked with a lot, but she's amazing. Um, (laughs) She obviously edited my story, so I wouldn't have to do it myself because that's virtually impossible. Um, And so that... Move on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so that was really helpful for me. Um, But, yeah, it was a a very different experience because I'm so used to just writing and, and I love that and I love just getting absorbed in the work and all of that sort of stuff. But then... Working on um, the other stories with the authors, I, I just learned so much from all of them, from their writing and, and from working so closely on their stories. Um, yeah, it was really intriguing to sort of try and um, work in, in their individual styles because obviously as an editor, um, you know, you kind of need to, uh, in the end, remain unseen. Like it needs to seem like you haven't been involved in that story at all basically mm-hmm. um, and so yeah it was quite interesting for me to sort of um, put on that hat and try and learn how to to make the stories really shine without leaving my own mark on the stories kind of it was really interesting wow. yeah yeah I know I love editing for that like it's it's so interesting it's such an interesting process mm. um, yeah because you shouldn't you shouldn't your work if you've done your job properly should be invisible Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, (laughs) which is strange as a writer because you want to, it's the opposite. Like as a writer, you need to make everything as visible as possible. Um, So yeah, it was, it was really interesting, but I loved it so much. Like I, I think that that kind of skill set sort of 
um, comes kind of naturally to me. So I was lucky in that sense that it, it was something that I took to um, quite well, I think. Um, but I would, I would love to do more editing. I, I find it so, so enjoyable. Um, and obviously Underdog has only just been released, but are there any plans for more? Volume two. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had so many people ask me um, already, <laughs> which is really cool, like, which is really nice. And, again, it just goes to show how many um, writers there are out there. And, you know, I think with if we can come up with these 12 stories um, – you know, with literally no reputation and nothing behind us at all, um, I do think it would be pretty amazing to see how we could build on that now that we sort of can start establishing, you know, the underdog name and, um, yeah, now that we've, you know, sort of been recognised by being published, I think, yeah, it just goes to show how many how many brilliant writers there would be out there in the whole pool of Australian writers, you know, and I would really, really love to to continue to support emerging writers in some way. I just don't exactly know what the best, um, what the best next step would be. Um, obviously, you know, an anthology works so well because you get to include, um, you know, a wide variety of authors and a, and a nice number of authors. Um, but I think, you know, we sort of have to keep focusing on, on this, this one anthology for a little while, at least before we start thinking about another one. Um, but I'd also really love to think about publishing some full-length novels um, in a couple of years' time um, or whenever, really. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's – Yeah, exactly. It's um, – yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to think about. And, you know, obviously this, this project um, rested very heavily on my shoulders, which I really enjoyed, but it, you know, it was pretty stressful at times. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, if I was to expand on the first underdog anthology, whether that be another anthology or, you know, um, a novel of some kind, I think I would like to, um, yeah, have a bit more of a team behind it next time Mm. so that we can, so that we can really, really push and work and, and achieve, you know, the best result possible. Absolutely. So many exciting times ahead. And like you said, you've got yeah. the underdog brand now. Um, exactly. You can Ready to build be expanded on. on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it would be really silly um, to not like to just do this and then be like, okay, that was cool. Let's, you know, let's forget <laughs> about that then. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that would be really yeah. silly. And I think, you know, there's, there's definitely um, a market for it. And there's definitely a lot of people that, um, you know, would want to be involved. So, I'm definitely going to um, sit down and, and have a really, really good think about um, what the best thing to do would be next, I think. Yeah, because I think it, it would need to be a, a carefully considered sort of decision. Um, I wouldn't want to jump into anything sort of um, too crazy too soon. But, yeah, I definitely I definitely will be planning to do something. I just need to um, have a bit of a sleep and then <laughs> think <laughs> yes. about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, as we mentioned in the intro, before you were editing Underdog, you were a professional triple threat performer. <laughs> um, we would love to hear more about that and more about your life in musicals. How did you get into that and what, what made you want to switch careers? Um, so, I started kind of late 
performing well compared to a lot of my friends who started you know mm-hmm. when they were three um <laughs> yeah. I did my first musical um in Ballarat just like a, a local amateur one when I was uh 14 I think um what musical was it I'd uh, it was Oliver um, oh, I love Oliver. <laughs> I know me too and I was not Oliver I was furious um I was just <laughs> one of the random Rude. random guys in the ensemble um I know right but um it was so much fun um, and so like I'd sort of been interested in in performing for a couple of years but hadn't really been sort of game to try I think originally I actually wanted to be an Irish dancer um but I, I never so I, I know I never followed through with that though I kind of wish I did um I remember like I saw <laughs> um one of those like Lord of the Dance or something on on TV when I was a kid <laughs> Um, and then I immediately went to the phone book and like tried to find where I could learn Irish dancing back in the days where you actually had a phone book because Google wasn't invented yet. Um, yeah. And then I, yeah, so I did this musical and I really loved that. And so then I sort of started looking for more opportunities like that. And eventually I joined a dance school and started with tap and then took up jazz and then eventually, um, started ballet in year 12. Um, and yeah, from that point on, that was kind of my one focus. Like I, you know, I was always a bit of a nerd at school, so I loved school. But um, after I did that first show, I was pretty much 100% on the music theatre bandwagon. Um, so then when I finished school, I um, studied full-time dance in Sydney for a year. And then I moved to um, Perth and studied at um, the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, um, which we call WAPA. Um, and yeah, and that was, you know, that was a pretty incredible three years. It's a pretty magical place over there. Um, so that was amazing, uh, in itself. It's got such an incredible reputation. Yeah, it does. And it's just, it's a really, really cool place. Um, and you know, for, for people who love performing to just be able to literally just sing and dance from, you know, eight till six, five days a week for three years is, is pretty amazing. Um, and the shows that you get to do over there, you know, it's, yeah, it's really cool. So that was a, a brilliant, beautiful experience over there. Um, and then I moved back to Melbourne and sort of just started auditioning stuff. And uh, my first job was actually on a cruise ship. I was a um, singer dancer and the dance captain on the Pacific Princess. Um, oh, my God. Which was, <laughs> uh, it was like, it was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life and I'll never forget a single second of it I don't think um we were just we were really lucky we had a beautiful cast and wonderful shows and we literally sailed around the world like we were so lucky with our itinerary um because mm-hmm. we had a, a world cruise as part of it so we you know did some time in the Mediterranean and then did the full sort of circumnavigation and then and then came back to the med for a bit but we got to just go to you know places that as as a child that you would only dream of going like the pyramids and the amazon jungle and easter island and you know all places like that as well as all the normal kind of beautiful cruise destinations like the caribbean and you know all of that um yeah it was pretty mind-blowing actually god that's awesome i went on a cruise for schoolies just on like the east coast of australia (laughs) but the like the performing cast or whatever, I went with my best friend and my mum and we basically stalked them the whole cruise. We went to every show <laughs> and, like, you know, knowing that, like, 
the cast whatever would be like running bingo on the deck. Like we went there, we just stalked them the whole time. It was the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's it's like living in a fantasy land again. Like, you know, I was living on the ship itself for like nine months, which by the end yeah. was a lot. Um yeah. but you know, it's as a I think I how old was it? I think I turned twenty three on the ship and before then I'd never left Australia. So, you know, to go from never having been overseas to coming home after visiting like 36 or seven countries was pretty crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and so then from there, I, um, when I came back, I got straight into, um, the cast of Mary Poppins kind of halfway through their Australian tour. Um, so I joined them in Sydney and did, um, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth and New Zealand with Mary Poppins. So that was my first big musical, um, which was everything I'd dreamed of and more. Um, What year was it? That was 2011 and 12. Oh, my God. I probably saw you in Brisbane. (laughs) Yes, you absolutely would have. Um, (laughs) That is so That's so fun. I love that. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And I was really lucky um, to understudy uh, the lead role of Bert. Um, So I got to do that, um, I think, like about 20 times um which was just insane you know for my first show to be you know to have the opportunity to play the lead role um a bunch of times was yeah it was it was amazing um yeah yeah, and then and then from there like I yeah I've just done a bunch more shows in Melbourne and and around Australia and um kind of the full spectrum like I've done really big shows like that I've done really really tiny shows you don't earn a single cent um but are incredibly <laughs> rewarding anyway um yeah I've, I've been really lucky for that sort of 10 years um working as a performer um my last big show was cats um which was always kind of my dream show and um, i also met my fiance in cats so um that worked oh. out really well um oh, yeah romance. That's so I huge. know I know and the funny thing is like cats like there's we know so many people that have ended up getting married who were in cats together it's a there's something about that show in particular that really brings people together I don't know maybe the lycra I'm not sure <laughs> definitely the lycra <laughs> <laughs> okay my um, old um school is doing cats this year and my 16 year old brother is going to be in it perfect <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. The, the, um, the school musical battles here between all the schools are actually, like, out of control. Yeah. One school is doing Matilda. Like, wow. It's just, it's, it's getting yeah, too much. And, like, rich, how can you? The rich school is doing yeah, Matilda. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm just like, wow, you just, every year they just keep pulling the, it out. Yeah. The performing arts community in Little Old Rockhampton is actually pretty insane for a small oh, town. Oh, yes. I think I actually know a couple of um, music theatre performers Oh, from you probably know Gretel Scarlet. Yeah. I, yes, I went yes. to Waffle with Gretel. Yes. Yes. Well, She's wonderful. My, like, little um, six degrees of separation is she was at my high school, well, my school, when I was, like, I would have been in, like, grade two and she was there. Oh. Um, and I did this huge feature on her. Um, when she was in Greece. Yeah, when she was in, yeah. when she was Sandy, um, yeah. I did this huge feature. And I remember getting halfway through writing about how she'd started doing like 
neuroscience or something crazy. And then I just had to go out to my boss and be like, um, actually, like I know you've given me two pages, but can I run it over two parts and have like a total of four pages? Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, her story is so interesting. Yeah, she's great. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of, you know, my life until I was about, um, 20, I don't know, 28 or nine. I can't remember. Um, 29, I think. Um, and then, you know, you get to a weird point in your life where you're no longer, um, you know, the young guys auditioning, the young sort of dancer guys auditioning for the show. And you're also not, you know, the guys who are playing the dad roles. Um, so a few <laughs> yeah. of my friends are kind of in a similar boat where we all hit 30 and we're like, why is no one giving us a job anymore? We're not um, cast. Yeah, it was oh, no. really weird. And then I think... I think as well by that point, sort of my heart also wasn't 100% in it anymore. And, and like, mm-hmm. if, if you're not 100% committed, it's very, very hard um, to get a job because, you know, you don't go to auditions with the same energy that you did when, you know, when it was your everything. So, um, yeah. yeah, and then once I started writing, I, um, you know, I was enjoying that so much and it just seemed like, you know, two two careers that are, fraught with rejection and it just didn't seem like a good idea to sort of pursue both of them at the exact same time um (laughs) yes so yeah (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and like I've got a pretty thick skin by this point but you know there's there's definitely a limit to that um so I just figured you know performing will always be there and maybe when I am old enough to you know to be the dad in the musicals (laughs) I'll I'll go back but for now yeah it just seemed like you know, a lot of things were telling me to sort of just focus on on writing and publishing and and give that my all and see how that sort of would go. Wow, I love that so much. Maybe one day you'll be Mr. Bang. Maybe, that's the thing. (laughs) I I would love so much to go back to a show that I've already done as one of those older characters. There's a couple in Cats as well. Um, Yeah, that could be be really fun and super weird but really cool. I know, it probably would be a bit weird but I think – you know, getting to a point where you can go back and do shows again, I feel like is a pretty good goal yeah. in this world. Yeah, this... totally, totally. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, how do you go with your fiancé being in musicals and stuff? Does he have to travel a lot? Um, he does. It depends, like, you know, it depends on the show. The last couple of years um, he was in the Book of Mormon, so they had um, – 12 months in Melbourne and 12 months in Sydney. So that was really easy because, mm. you know, I just, you know, lived in Melbourne for a year with him and then we moved to Sydney um, at the start of, of last year um, and spent the year here and now we're just sort of still here. Um, but, yeah, it's – I think having one of us still in musicals makes it easier because at least I can be stable if he's going to mm-hmm. be moving around a lot. Um, yeah. But – you know, I love it so much because, you know, every single person I know is in music theatre and so, you know, it's, <laughs> it's nice like to sort left. of, yeah, it's nice to just sort of, you know, be in that circle and, um, you know, there's nothing I love more than seeing seeing him in shows. He's so phenomenally talented. He's a million times better than me. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's really nice to be a part of his journey now because he's got some pretty big dreams and it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to sort of help him work towards them um, instead of yeah instead of me doing it myself which is really nice yeah i've got to say we stalked you guys a little bit and you guys are so cute yeah we're pretty we're pretty happy 
seeing him like post about how excited he was for you with Underdog and now yeah. hearing you say the same things. It's just, it's so lovely. lovely. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, no one has ever been more supportive of me than him. And he, um, you know, he was there every step of the way. Like he was obviously the first person that I, that I talked to about Underdog when I was like, is this a really dumb idea if, you know, if I try and publish this thing? And he's like, no, that's a brilliant idea. Do it. Like he's, he's so wonderfully supportive. And, um, yeah, I don't think Underdog would have made it to print without him either. So that's, yeah, I'm super lucky that he's, he's there in my life. No. <laughs> so sweet. Um, are you working on any other writing projects at the moment? Any other longer form work perhaps? Yeah, so I um I did finish that um YA fantasy manuscript that I started um before all of the underdog stuff. So I, I wrote that um and um now I'm sort of trying to find an agent and, and get that out there somehow, um, which is obviously not that easy. Um, and, you know, since, since I started working on Underdog so heavily, I've had a little bit less time to sort of um, be focused on that. But I'm, I was happy to sort of just go, you know what, I've written that and I love it and let's just sort of put it aside for a minute so I can do this other, you know, amazing thing that I've got the opportunity to do. Um, so I'm going to sort of, yeah, get back to that soon and start really trying to um, get someone else to like it as much as I do. <laughs> Um, I think you and, always come back with more clarity too if you take a break from something. Yeah, yeah. totally. And I, like I haven't read it, I haven't read that manuscript now for, God, I don't even know, at least probably six, eight months or something. Um, so I really oh, would love yeah. to go back and, and have a look at that and see um, see what I think. But, yeah, I was, yeah. I was really proud of that. And, you know, because it was the first sort of um, manuscript I'd ever written and, and so that was you know, it's such a cool achievement in itself to actually write a yes. book at all. Um, and before that point, you know, I'd only written a bunch of short stories. So the that sort of process itself of writing that, you know, was the biggest learning experience I could have, you know, ever asked for. So that was amazing. Um, I am also working on a, um, a contemporary YA manuscript at the moment, um, which is um, sort of inspired by my underdog short story. Um, I just really enjoyed writing about that sort of ballet world and, and that sort of vibe. So then I decided to um, write a, a longer form um, sort of version of that. It's d completely different characters, completely different story. Um, but, yeah, just kind of in that, in that same vein. Um, so I'm about 25,000 words into that, I think, um, and I'm really enjoying it. I've never really written contemporary stuff before. I always write fantasy. Um, so, I, yeah, it's really, really fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds incredible. And you know what? If your short story is anything to go by, you can definitely write contemporary. <laughs> you do not have a problem with that. So thanks. Yeah, it's just yeah, funny. I like think... I think I think a lot of us um, sort of grow up writing fantasy and stuff, and you get so used to that that vibe. And you know, after just writing a, a full sort of fantasy manuscript and having to invent an entire world, like it was so nice to start working on a contemporary and just be like. I don't have to invent a single word. Like this is all here. Like, <laughs> and of course, exists. yeah. And of course there's still world building and stuff, but it's in a very, very different sense um, mm -hmm. to, to a fantasy story. So it's really refreshing. And just to be able to talk about like, you know, everyday things that, that can't, you can't talk about in a fantasy. Like, you know, when you're like, I'll oh, just Google that. And you know, that you can say in a contemporary because um, it's real. <laughs> yes. Um, I think Caitlin and I always say that we don't, 
read fantasy and we don't read much, but the fantasy or sci-fi or genre fiction that we do end up reading that isn't contemporary, I think it, it, we like it because the characters are amazing. So if you've got yeah. the right characters, then it doesn't really matter what you're writing because you connect with those characters anyway. Yeah. Michelle's main totally. story, like fantasy and sci-fi is the rules within the yeah. world. She just needs uh, to I know. how the world works. It's I just find yeah. that I find it's it's so hard to get into then. Like whereas with the contemporary as a reader, you, you can just pick up works. same thing as for you as a writer. Like you don't have to think about any of this world because it all exists within the world that we know. So yeah, you know, totally. it's not as yeah. much of a struggle for you as a reader to get into it. And maybe that's why a book like Harry Potter is so good because even though it's magical, it's so much based in reality that it's not too much of a stretch for you as a reader to, to understand yeah. the new rules. And the yeah, world. Totally, yeah. And I think, yeah. like, the kind of fantasy that I really like is often that kind of sort of magic realism where it's it's part real and part fantasy mm. and yes. I feel like I it's love magical um, realism. <laughs> yeah that's I love that kind of stuff sometimes like you said it can be a bit hard to dive into a completely new world especially <laughs> if those mechanics aren't sort of executed 100% and you're like wait but I thought that had to be like that then that obviously yep. takes you out of it straight away but but again mm. like you said it's it's for me it's always about the characters like if you if you connect with them I, I can put up with pretty much anything else happening around them I think yeah yeah, yeah no I agree yeah, yeah it doesn't matter you know genre short story long like whatever it doesn't matter a book could be a thousand pages but if I love the character like you'll yeah be exactly yeah because yeah, if you want to spend time with them like it's it's that you know whole thing which is so interesting and I feel like you you often know straight away like as soon as you start reading a chapter um if you know you know if you connect with the characters or not it's yeah, it's that kind of weird, inexplicable thing where you're like, I don't really know why I like this, but I really like it and I just have to keep reading it. Like it's, yes. yeah, it's, yeah. It's Absolutely. It's exactly how it like the gold for any reader. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> um, look, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you and Underdog online? Um, so uh, me, you can find me on Instagram, Um uh, what's my thing? Uh, Tobias underscore Madden um, on Instagram. Um, I think I have a website as well. If you Google me, I think it all comes up. Um, underdog, again, you can Google that or um, our Instagram handle is underdog short stories. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you've, if you've read the book. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone go find Tobias and Underdog and buy the book and read it. It's amazing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.